We are starting a new series today. You'll see the banner up there, Relationships That Matter. And I want to begin here with a story that I made up. I'm not all that creative. You'll probably laugh at it, but that's all right. Um, Here's how it goes. Pretend that this is about a man's life. And January 4th, this last week, and his name is Bill. And Bill gets nudged in bed by his wife at 6 a.m. And she's overslept. And now she wants Bill to round up the kids and to get help get them ready to go head off to school. And you understand with that nudge, he encountered his wife that was the first relationship of the day. His wife. Now Bill is thinking, obviously not out loud, but he's going, doesn't she know that I was up late last night? Doesn't she realize that I was working on the taxes for 2017? Already figured out I got to pay, and you go, See, Bill, even the night before, bumped into a relationship with the government. We have one. But see, Bill is thinking in terms of why doesn't she be just a little bit more respectful of my time, and, and she sure wishes she would be more gracious with letting him sleep, so he's laying there, and he doesn't want her to get mad at, her, at him, so he goes, okay, I need to get up and help with the kids, and and as he's doing that, he just says, oops. He remembered the night before that he did not actually even tell him goodnight. He had no interaction with them the night before. So he heads into their room, and he realizes he's bumping into another set of relationships with his kids. And he's feeling guilty because the holidays and just the pace of everything, he just doesn't feel like a great father. But as he ponders that just for a moment, he realizes, yeah, but I'm a better dad than my dad. Because he thinks back to another relationship, and it was his mom and dad. You see, Bill had left home early. He had run away, and just he didn't want, a part, didn't want to be a part of the family anymore, so he ran away and kind of lived on his own for a while. But eventually he comes back to his senses and he gets the kids and helps get the kids uh, fed and uh, gets them ready for school and he takes them out to the bus stop and as he's at the bus stop watching, waiting with the kids, he looks at his watch and goes, "Uh uh-oh, I'm late for work. And I sure hope that I'm going to beat my boss into the office today. And it reminded him there of more relationships. He had his boss. Then he was thinking through the day and new guys coming in that he's going to have to train. And, and he's feeling overwhelmed at work. With He's a, kind of a lead, lead guy at, at, at the work, and he's going, i got all these people, and I'm responsible for them, and he just feels overwhelmed. And, and then he thinks to his relationship with his boss, and he goes, man, I wish he was better. I, I wish he would actually listen to me as a boss. I just He struggles with that relationship as well. But he keeps working through the day, and all of a sudden his cell phone rings, and it's his buddy Jack, a friend, another relationship. And Jack and Bill are looking to plan a hunting trip, an elk trip. And he's so looking forward to spend time with, with, with Jack, his buddy, and, and so these, they're talking on the phone, and hey, let's get together on Saturday. 
he bumps into another relationship, a friend. Now, he's thinking about this relationship because he, he wonders deep down if Jack wants to spend time with him because Jack's relationship with his wife just isn't all that great. But for Bill, it's don't ask, don't tell, I don't know what to say if we were to start talking about that stuff, but boy, it sure is nice to have a friend that I could just kind of let my hair down with. And then the phone rings. It's getting to the end of the day, and it's Bill's wife. And Bill, I, I need to take, have you take the kids to Kids Rock tonight. One of the kids is, is sick, and I need to stay home with them. And he goes, ah, shucks. One free evening that I thought I had, and now it's gone. And but he kind of sucks it up and says, yeah, I'm going to go. And then, so he takes the kids to Kids Rock, and he takes them in the church, and he sees Lester. Lester's there in the foyer, and he begins to talk to Lester. Now, he doesn't really know Lester. It's just a casual acquaintance. But he's thinking that, I just don't have time for any more friends. And then his mind sparks to the, to the new series that the pastor's beginning to preach on relationships. And he goes, I don't know. I, I sure hope that the church doesn't expect me to get involved with more people. You know, I'm an introvert. I've had enough people at work. And to add more relationships to my life, I don't think so. But goes home. Helps get the kids ready for bed and finally goes to bed and he gives his wife a kiss and he begins to drift off and he realizes that there's one more relationship that he's actually ignored. It's God. Good night, God. And Bill goes to sleep. Relationships that matter. I want to read two passages this morning just to give some context as we, this is today is the introduction to this series. The first one comes in Genesis chapter 1, Then I'll put it on the screen for you, it's in the notes there, but look at verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And we're going to jump to chapter 2, verse 15. Look how it reads. Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, notice the phrase that I underline. It's not good for that man to be alone. There was a void in Adam's life that came, that was sitting there before sin even came into the garden. We were created, to say it this way, with a relational whole. We were made to be relational people and it was God's intentional design 
for us before the fall. But we need to realize something else. Relationship did not start with Adam and Eve. It started with a relationship within the Godhead. The Father and the Son and the Spirit. In verse 126 it says, Let us, us, make man in our image. See, flowing from that relationship, it declares that we are made in his image, we are made relational beings. So today is the introduction, and it's going to be a little bit foundational to this series. It's going to set the stage as we dig into a whole bunch of different kinds of relationships over the next couple months. But today, I want to begin with just giving you 10 observations, 10 kind of, I call them relational realisms, that are just some realities that exist that I don't think we can run from as we start this series. So the first one, you can take it along and follow along in the outline if you want to do that. But number one, again, we've already talked about this, we are created with a desire to be known and loved. As a created being, we have a relational God. Relationship existed before eternity, before creation even came to be. See, but all of a sudden, God states, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, we can assume this, that there was supposed to have been, between Adam and God, a relationship with God vertically as well. I think that's really baked baked into this as well, in terms of understanding. But get this, there's a horizontalness to relationships that exist, and this is before sin. But let me make a... Statement number two for your notes. Because we're created to be known and loved, we live in a relational world and you cannot avoid it. The story that I made up, relationship with your children, with your spouse, with your boss, a co-worker. If you're a young person here today, you think of the, all of the, the friendships that within the church, at school, the people you play sports with, the teachers, your friends, your family, your parents. Do you catch the amount of connections that we have with people every day, whether you're young or old? And then I'd describe some of those as the the bump into relationships where they could be complete strangers and we have relationships. The waitress, the cashier, your car mechanic, intermittent relationships that, that kind of come and go from time to time. All of those impact the way we are. Now, as a pastor, and really dealing with people a lot, many people I've come to believe want to avoid relationships, at least relationships of depth. And they try running away from them. And I suspect that there's some people here who actually would rather me not speak on this and run from relationships. And why? Because we, deep down, we know relationships are messy. And who wants messy relationships? But I think this is what some people do. Figuratively, they would rather move away to the woods, build a hunting shack, and have a relationship with a 60-inch TV, and that call it good. But you can do that 
And you can go out to that shack, but realize this, is that even if you do that, you're going to have to deal with two relationships of that which you cannot run from. Number three in your notes, I said it this way. You can never avoid a relationship with God and the self. You know, Romans chapter 1 speaks of the creation, calling out and really shouting to the world that there is a God. And I think most people intuitively know it and are wondering about that relationship with God. And ultimately, at the end of their life, they're going to bump into the relationship with God. They may try to ignore it. But then there's a relationship with self. See, everyone has a relationship with ourselves. We have discussions with ourselves in our minds. We think about who we are. Some of us are disappointed with ourselves. We wish we were different. We wish we could relate to somebody better. But oftentimes, you understand the challenges that we try to avoid that world to some degree, I believe, on a pretty regular basis. But let me give you another one, number four. Recognize this, sin has distorted our quest for meaningful relationships. You know, over the years, working with marriages and family relationships, you see consistent patterns. Uh, just talk to some counselors who work in the counseling world where they work it with people every day. For them, it's just deja vu. Second song, second verse, a little bit louder and a little bit worse. Same patterns over and over again. Yes, yeah, some relationships are struggling more, but the same stuff. Some it's more intense. Some it's more subtle. There's an observation that I've had over the years, and really counselors speak to this as well, is that there's a weird reality. And for your notes, it feels like a contradiction, but it really isn't. And here's how I stated it for your notes. It's this idea, would somebody please come close to me? Would somebody please love me, but stay away? Love me. Stay away. That's the reality for too many people. I I want you to fill my relational hole, but there's even some people who actually sabotage those relationships so they can't fill the hole. See, the truth is, it's easy to build walls around our relational souls And if somebody is crying out, someone please love me, and still keep that wall up high and thick, and yet love me. Now, here's what some people say. I've heard this many times over the years. Some people will do this. You know what? I really only need Jesus. It's Jesus and me. But but here's my response would be, if you go back to Genesis 2.18, it's not good to be alone That principle and that theology is speaking on the horizontal level. That's just not saying we can have a vertical relationship and we don't care about the horizontal relationships in this world, earthly relationships. I I think some have convinced themselves that they are the exception to that truth. And you go, no. Let me give you another reality. Number five, relationships can bring great hurt and pain, and it can go the other direction of profound encouragement. 
it's why they're so complicated. They're not easy. Matter of fact, I, I think when you begin to look back and go, when do you start realizing how complicated it is? I think late elementary, all, you're figuring out friendships and how all of a sudden there's broken friendships and all of that's taking place. It starts that young where you go, relationships are messy. You know, Deanna and I worked in college ministry for years down in Baxter. And so I did lots of weddings and watching the dating world, and I was doing a lot of premarital, and at, at times it was interesting where um, girls would go after a guy, and they really liked him, and he's the one. And the guy is standing there, don't think so. And it was messy. It wasn't easy. And even when I did those weddings, you realize they could have the perfect romance, the perfect wedding, and all of a sudden, and I warn them, it's it's a potential for pain when you start walking into a relationship, into a marriage. And some intense pain in relationships. You know, I, I think some of the hardest things in the relational world that I've had to deal with, and Deanna's actually been on a, a number of, these times where one of them confesses to the other person that they've been involved in an affair. And and I'll tell you what, the the intensity of that pain is like no other. It is difficult. Matter of fact, as I was was pondering this, and you you think of relationships and, and marriage and such, and, you know, my... Dad got Alzheimer's, so in one sense, my mom experienced two relational deaths. The first one is when he got the Alzheimer's really bad, and he was, he was gone. So there was grieving even. He just, we didn't even really know him. That was the first death, but then six, seven years later, he passed away, a second death. And as I compare that experience and, and with looking, watching my mom even go through those deaths, I'll tell you this. That pain isn't really nearly as painful as when I've seen the affairs take place when you talk about deception and lying and cover-up and all of those pieces. See, the pain is real in relationships, in the relational world. Matter of fact, I think this, the relational world probably is more painful than physical pain. I think we have to admit that. But occasionally, we taste of something really, really good. And we go, it is so satisfying to the soul. Matter of fact, look at Proverbs 27.9. Look how this says, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Just picture that. You're sitting there, and the relationship is like, Isn't that sweet? That can be a relationship. Let me go keep moving here. Number six, another reality. Relationships are meant to sanctify and transform us and to move us toward Christ. It's more than just God uses some things uniquely here. Now, there's a question that I'm wondering if all of us have really wrestled with. Do you really believe that God uses hard things, including relationalness, 
and in the relational world for something better. See, if we don't come to that conclusion, it's going to lead to doubting God, and it's not, it'll lead to not accepting the way that God works in this world. Let me show you a verse, Proverbs 27, 17, uh, used in men's ministries a lot. Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. He's speaking of men, but think of this. When you take two big pieces of iron and rub them together, the friction and the heat, just to, to, to sharpen a blade. You think of that heat and the friction, and all of a sudden it's used for something good. But we're, we're, when we're in the midst of pain, we don't always think that it's for good. I got a quote from you, a guy by the name of Timothy Lane. Look how he writes it. In our human wisdom, we would settle for relational compromise. But God wants to bring us to the end of ourselves so that we would see our need for a relationship with him as well as with others. Every painful thing we experience in relationships is meant to remind us of our need for him. And every good thing we experience is meant to be a metaphor of what we can only find in him. See, God doesn't want us to waste anything in our lives, including our relationships. And as we live in relationship, both good ones, average ones, and poor ones, God wants to take them and use them. And each of those has the power to move us toward Christ if we're willing to cooperate, if we're willing to stop running and slow down and begin to take a look at the walls that we've built up in relationships. God wants to use it. But let me push even farther, number seven. Our relationships reveal the emotional and the spiritual deficits within us. We don't like to hear that. We all have relational deficits. And those intersect with our relationship with Christ, with the Father, with the Spirit. In many ways, our relational world is, becomes a barometer in the spiritual world. You cannot pull the two apart. And it can reveal the strengths as well in our relationship with Christ. But boy, can it reveal the weaknesses. Let me give you another one, number eight. We are too easily satisfied with average relationships. See, some people would say, you know what, I just don't have time to have any deep relationships. And I I would say, I think that's a cop-out. See, too often at the deeper levels, people can fill the lives, and, and what it does is keeps a cover over that hole of wanting to be loved. So we fill it with busyness, with work, with fun, with pleasure, with distractions, with media with Facebook, with even we'll settle for texting relationships. And we'll, I've even seen parents try to fill that hole by taking care of their kids. And the result, a lot of people are more than willing to just settle for average and 
semi-average relationships. But I think there's a deeper reason that that people want to settle for those kind of relationships, and I think it's this, it's fear. It's fear. Now, I I do got to stop and acknowledge something here. It takes two people to have a relationship, and one doesn't always cooperate. Sometimes two don't cooperate. So I need to acknowledge it takes two people to have a meaningful relationship. But when we take down the walls and say, will you know me? You know, there's this, this cry again of the heart, will you just love me unconditionally? But we, the fear keeps that wall up. But let me put up a quote. I've used this in the past. It's from Larry Crabb. It's a Christian counselor and writer. He wrote a book. The title has changed now. But the, the original title was Who We Are and How We Relate. And I think there was a tagline on one of the original ones, and what it tells about ourselves. And you go, that's sure to be a bestseller, isn't it, the way they've, that kind of a title, isn't it? But here's what he wrote. We are thoughtful in our reactions to life. What we do is determined more by what we deeply, not always consciously believe. You, You catch that? We decide what we believe. We're more focused there than by the external forces that influence us, including the impact of our family bag, uh, background. What is it, what's he saying there? He's saying that, that the deepest parts of our minds and our souls, we make choices. And it has deep consequences in our relationships. On the surface level, we can blame others. We don't want to think about the choices that we make. But he's saying at the deepest places of where we are is that we choose some things very intently and we don't always realize why we're doing what we're doing. But we're choosing it nevertheless. Now, I'm not going to go down this path in this series much But when one becomes a victim in the relational world, now let me just define what a victim is. A victim, victimization is this in relationships. The problem with my relationships is with the other. They're the problem that I don't have good relationships. But the pathway out of that victimization is really that quote, is the choosing that we have to take in order to move a new direction relationally. See, we choose, we make choices. We don't always understand why, but we do. And there's really a reason why on the deeper level and a deeper motive that we oftentimes want to just kind of, let's just bury it. Let me give you the last two points here. Nine and ten, I'll put them up together there. Relationships are meant to reveal something greater than ourselves. Beyond just the relational whole. And then number 10, the pathway to deeper relationships begins with Christ and the cross. So not only are relationships used to sanctify us, to transform us, they're used for a greater purpose beyond ourselves, beyond just filling our whole relationally. Have you ever just sat and watched a couple people in a restaurant eat a meal together? 
you got to try it. And I don't know if you realize, as you just ponder and watch, you can learn lots about the relationship. What it's like. Maybe they're texting each other. I don't know. But I... But there's a piece here where I don't think we really like something because the statement I'm going to make is this. All of our relationships are always on display. We don't admit it, but it really, they are. Parents, husband, wife, mom and dad, your relationship is on display to your children. Get over it. It's the way it is. But beyond that, when you go to work tomorrow morning or when you run somewhere, if you're with somebody, your relationship is on display. Um, at our elder board meeting the other night, we were looking at some of the passages uh, centered around elders and just some of the things we were talking about, the role of elders. And, and, and scripture speaks to the role of an elder in such a way that it very, it's very pointed is that the elders' lives are on display to people. They are to be an example to people. Now, as elders kind of state it this way, you've got to live with it. We're on display. Even the qualities of an elder's life are on display, but people are not judging, they're interpreting in one sense. How's his family? How's his marriage? You catch, if you look at those texts in, in 1 Timothy and Titus, you, you realize that an elder's life is on display. But all of our lives are on display. Do we know that? And people are interpreters. So they're watching our relationships. You know, I, I told this in the first service, Okay, what if I got done with the sermon? And we got done about 10 after, I think it was. And what if I just headed right out to my car? And then come back in at 11 o'clock when we started the sermon today. And just sit out in the car in between the times. What would you conclude? Scott's going, hmm, one of the elders, our chairman of the elder board. See, he would include a couple, he might conclude a couple things. Ken, you just don't like people. Or I'm out there for a smoke break, maybe that's the, that's the issue. But it reveals something. Do we realize that our lives are on display and you go tomorrow to work or you interact with people at a store, a restaurant, whatever it is, the relational world is out there far more than we realize. So if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit has worked, though, to give you a relationship with the Father. And it's meant for something more than just filling your hole. See, that's the point. God wants to use your quest for relationships for something bigger than ourselves. Do you realize, John 17, I'm not going to go there, it's meant to reveal the love of God, our relationships. It's meant to reveal Christ's relationship with the church, even in a marriage, Ephesians chapter 5. All through scripture, relationships are to give hope, give encouragement, give care. 
And we're created with a hole. And we long for somebody to fill our hole, but it's bigger than just that. See, it's about somebody else's hole that God is inviting us toward. Now, maybe it's not your desire at this point, but my prayer is that God would challenge us in the context of all of these relationships and go, what does God want? But let me read you a passage. I I think that pushes it farther because in this journey to have relationships where you say deep to the level in our souls, I'm satisfied. It starts with Jesus and with him going to the cross. Look at John chapter 15. Uh, Peterson, this is from the message here. I'll call you writes it. Verse 11, I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command, love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are now my friends when you do these things, I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on something that I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me, remember? I chose you and put you into the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bears, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. And if you just sit and soak that in there, if that we have put our trust and faith in Jesus, do you know this, that he calls you his friend? It's a relationship that is certain. But it's not Jesus and me. It's Jesus walking with me. So he's walking with me tomorrow when we go to work when we go to the store, when we meet our friends, when we have our close friends, when we have our casual friends, is Jesus walking with us toward all of those different things? And as he works in us, our relationships grow. The whole is filled. And he uses that for the kingdom and the glory of God. Next couple months, We're going to take and dig into a number of these areas. It won't be all inclusive, I recognize that, but we're going to look at some on this list here and go, how in the world do we relate to these people? Think of people with authority over your life. How do you relate to them? What does God want? What do the scriptures teach us? What does Jesus want as we walk, as he walks with us toward these different relationships? Let's stand and pray.